The following story is certified grim for extreme violence and grisly deaths and may not be suitable for all listeners. Hello there and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a brother's grim tale. My name is Matthew Hughes and with me on this journey is my co-host Mr Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading... Sweetheart Roland! So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a... Grim Reading! There was once on a time a woman who was a real witch and had two (laughs) daughters, one ugly and wicked, and this one she loved because she was her own daughter, and Uh one beautiful and good, and this one she hated because she was a stepdaughter. Oh, yeah. The stepdaughter once had a pretty apron, which the other fancied so much that she became (laughs) envious and told her mother that she must and would have that apron. (laughs) Be quiet, my child, said the old woman, and you shall have it. Your stepsister has long deserved death. Tonight, when she is asleep, I will come and cut her head off. Whoa. Only be careful that you are at the far side of the bed and push her well to the front. Well, okay. There are, uh, That's quite a lot to process already. Is. They sleep in the same bed. <laughs> yes. And she's got a lovely apron. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, we've all been there, haven't we? I've been envious of an apron in my time. <sighs> well, it would have been all over for the poor girl if she had not just then been standing in a corner and heard everything. All day long, she dared not go out of doors, and when bedtime had come, the witch's daughter got into bed first, so as to lie at the far side. But when she was asleep, the other pushed her gently to the front, (gasps) and took for herself the place at the back, close by the wall. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) This is terrifying. In the night, the old woman came creeping in. She held an axe in her right hand, and felt with her left to see if anything was lying on the outside. And then she grasped the axe with both hands and cut her own child's head off. Whoops. <laughs> Face palm moment. When she had gone away, the girl got up and went to her sweetheart, who was called Roland, and knocked <laughs> at his door. When he came out, she said to him, Hear me, dearest Roland. We must fly in all haste. My stepmother wanted to kill me, but I struck her own child. When daylight comes and she sees what she has done, we shall be lost. But said Roland. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. All right, all right okay, all right, calm down. But sweetheart. have you thought about this? I counsel you first to take away her magic wand, or we cannot escape if she pursues us. <laughs> She's got a magic wand, of course. Yeah, yeah. The maiden fetched the magic wand, and she took the dead girl's head and dropped three drops of blood on the ground, one in front of the bed, one in the kitchen, and one on the stairs. Then she hurried away with her lover. Sorry, why? <laughs> She's picked up the head. And just gone... And shaken it. And just, just, just sprinkle that around the house. Just one drop here, one drop there. Exactly. Okay. Mm. That's weird. That's a pretty odd thing to do. <laughs> when the old witch got up the next morning, she called her daughter and wanted to give her the apron, but she did not come. Oh, no. Then the witch cried, Where are you? Here on the stairs. I'm sweeping answered the first drop of blood. What? The old woman went out, but saw no one on the stairs, and cried again, Where are you? Here in the kitchen. I'm warming myself, cried the second drop of blood. She went into the kitchen, but found no one. Then she cried again, Where are you? Ah, here in the bed. I'm sleeping, cried the third drop of blood. She went into the room of the bed, 
And what did she see there? Her own child, whose head she had cut off, bathed in her blood. The witch fell into a passion, sprang to the window, and as she could look forth quite far into the world, she perceived her stepdaughter hurrying away with her sweetheart, Roland. So she's got supervision. She's got supervision. <laughs> she sprang on the window. Ah! Target acquired. That shall not serve you, cried she. Even if you had gone a long way off, you shall still not escape me. She put on her boots, in which she went an hour's walk with every step, and it was not long before she overtook them. Whoa, what? An hour's walk? She's got super boots. Wow, she's got super boots. She's got super super boots. boots. And built-in binoculars. So the witch is after them now. Yeah. And she's caught up with them. But the girl, however, when she saw the old woman striding towards her, used her magic wand to change her sweetheart Roland into a lake, and herself into a duck swimming in the middle of it. What? The witch placed herself on the shore threw breadcrumbs in and took great pains to entice the duck. But the duck did not let herself be enticed and the old woman had to go home at night as she had come. <laughs> at this... Uh, there's at, so at, much How's going your mind? On. Are you coping? No. <laughs> at this, the girl and her sweetheart Roland resumed their natural shapes again and they walked on the whole night until daybreak. So it's daybreak, so the witch is going to come back for them. Yeah. So she changed herself into a beautiful flower which stood in the middle of a briar hedge and her sweetheart Roland into a fiddler. What? Why, though? <laughs> Why not? Why isn't he the hedge? That's what, what he was doing. He was fiddling away like, what is this? <laughs> Why have you done this? I stand up like a sore thumb. <laughs> yeah. That's not a disguise. <laughs> Just giving me a violin. <laughs> it was not long before the witch came striding up towards them and said to the musician... Dear musician, may I pluck that beautiful flower for myself? (gasps) Oh, yes, he replied. (gasps) I will play to you while you do it. As she was hastily creeping into the hedge and was just going to pluck the flower, for she well knew who the flower was, he began to play. And whether she would like it or not, she was forced to dance, for it was a magical dance. (laughs) The quicker he played, the more violent springs she was forced to make. And the thorns tore her clothes from her body and pricked her and wounded her till she bled. And as she did not stop, she had to dance till she lay dead on the ground. (laughs) Whoa. And that is how you kill a witch. (laughs) What horrendous, bizarre, insane image. (laughs) Dancing inside a hedge until you're ripped to shreds enough so that you're dead. I mean, it's easy to, like, say those words. Yeah, but to but picture can you imagine that? watching that? In a f- imagine that in a film. <laughs> when they were saved, Roland said, Now I will go to my father and arrange for the wedding. So it's all good. So the witch is dead. Oh, that's fine then, yeah. So forget the horrendous end she met. Yeah. They're safe now and they can get married. Yeah. And she's still got her apron. That's what this thing. is all about. <laughs> that's what it's all about. So Roland's going to head home to his father and plan the wedding. Then... In the meantime, I will stay here and wait for you, said the girl. And that no one may recognise me, I will change myself into a red milestone. What? Roland was like, that's a great idea. And he went off. And the girl stood like a red milestone in the field and waited for her beloved. But when Roland got home, he fell into the snares of another, who prevailed on him so far that he forgot the maiden. What? The poor girl remained there a long time. But at length, as he did not return at all, she was sad and changed herself into a flower. And she thought, someone will surely come this way and trample me down. What is Roland's get? I've had it with this guy. Not impressed with Roland. that is awful. (laughs) 
pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah, it's like... <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> Just immediately forgets. Hi, I'm Roland. <laughs> <laughs> it happened, however, that a shepherd kept his sheep in the field, and he saw the flower, and as it was so pretty, he plucked it, took it with him, and laid it away in his chest. Mm. From, the, from that time forth... Strange things happened in the shepherd's house. (laughs) (laughs) What's going to go down? When he arose in the morning, all the work was already done. The room was swept, the table and benches cleaned, the fire on the hearth was lighted, and the water was fetched. And at noon, when he came home, the table was laid and a good dinner served. That is strange. (laughs) That's That's pretty weird. weird. That happened to me. I'd be like, (laughs) well, I'd, I'd be pretty happy. He could not conceive how this came to pass, for he never saw any human being in his house, and no one could have concealed himself in it. He was certainly pleased with this good attendance, but still, at last, he was so afraid that he went to a wise woman and asked for her advice. The wise woman said, There is some enchantment behind it. Listen very early in the morning if anything is moving in the room, and if you see anything... Let it be what it may. Throw a white cloth over it, and then the magic will be stopped. Oh, the old white cloth trick. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Got a magic problem. (laughs) White cloth. Yeah, sorted. The shepherd did as she bade him, and next morning, just as day dawned, he saw the chest open and the flower come out. (laughs) 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 He's like, what? (laughs) Am I dreaming? Swiftly, he sprang towards it and threw a white cloth over it. (laughs) Get that flower! Stop that flower! (laughs) Instantly, the transformation came to an end, and a beautiful girl stood before him, who told him that she had been the flower, and that up to this time had attended to his housekeeping. She told him her story, and since she pleased him, he asked if she would marry him. But she answered, no. (gasps) For she wanted to remain faithful to her sweetheart Roland, although he had deserted her. Oh no! However, she promised not to go away, but to go on keeping house for the shepherd. What? So they've got a little arrangement. He's, she's not going to marry him. Yeah. She still loves Roland. She, yeah. This poor girl is losing out to everyone. This is awful. And now the time drew near when Roland's wedding was to be celebrated. Uh-huh. And then, according to an old custom in the country, it was announced that all the girls were to be present at it and sing in honour of the bridal pair. I mean, they must be busy every weekend. I know. They must love that. (laughs) When the faithful maiden heard of this, she grew so sad that she thought her heart would break and she would not go. But the other girls came and took her. When her turn came to sing, she stepped back until at last she was the only one left. So they're going one by one. Are they singing in turn? Yeah. It's a long wedding. But all the girls have sung. Yep. And it's our girl's turn. But she could not refuse to sing. So she's got to do it. But when she sang her song and it reached Roland's ears, he sprang up and cried, I know the voice. That is my true bride. I will have no other. Everything he had forgotten and which had vanished from his mind had suddenly come home again to his heart. (laughs) He just forgot. Then the faithful maiden held her wedding with her sweetheart Roland and grief came to an end and joy began. The end. Wow, I don't know where to start with that story. 
That was an adventure, wasn't it? The biggest one yet, surely. It was huge. That was, was a huge, huge story. <laughs> it was so epic. <laughs> what's your initial, like, what's your first thought? Um, did she keep the apron? <laughs> That's the, that is the most important question. It's all about the apron. Yeah, a really nice apron. <laughs> what a lovely little penny. So the AKA for this story is uh, Roland and Maybird. So mm. is she Maybird? I mean, I'm I've I'm kind of jumped a bit forward there, but I've got to make an apology. Okay. In our master list of stories, yes, we have all the names of the story, the official names, and then we've got another column with any AKAs, any yeah. other ways they're known. For this one, we put that it was also known as Roland and Maybird. It's just. This is all built on a lie, isn't it? It's all built on a lie. Matt, what have you done to me? Come on, spill, spill the beans. What did you do? Right, so the very first copy of the Brothers Grimm that we started reading from yeah. is the first ever translation into English. And so when we got our real book that we use, I kind of went through all the names and I assumed Roland Never and Maybird assume. was Sweetheart Roland. It's not, is it? No, Roland and Maybird is actually the first ever English translation of Hansel and Gretel. What? Yeah. Naughty, naughty Edgar Taylor, the guy who first translated it into English. He swapped Hansel and Gretel for Roland and Maybird. He gave them the names Roland and Maybird. <laughs> so Hansel's called imagine? Roland and Gretel's called Maybird. <laughs> he just made it up. He just completely made it up. And I'm so sorry, Adam... <laughs> That I thought Sweetheart Roland was called Roland and Maybird. It's not. You've let me down, you let yourself down, you let the listeners down. I mean, I am prepared to forgive you because that was an incredible story. Oh, is that the only reason? That's the only reason. Otherwise, okay. if it was bad, we'd be done professionally. Oh, man. You've been under a lot of pressure. Yeah. Let's just let it slide. All right? I spent a lot of time looking into elves. You have. <laughs> and we know what that can do to a man. So, so thank you. Just, just, just move on. We'll draw, draw a line under okay. it. Okay, so let's rewind. Okay, so, recap time. A witch. Got a, an ugly daughter. There's a woman who was a real witch. Oh, she's, she's a real witch. What a witch. So, she wants to just kill her stepdaughter. The ex- she gets the excuse when her actual daughter goes, Mum, I really want her apron. Yeah. She's like, I know how to get her... I- could just give it to you or i could chop her head off in the night now technically the heroine of this story at this point she hears this she hears the plan she's then responsible for murder essentially because everything she did subsequently she could have done right there and then right she could have run away then no she goes to bed and pushes the other daughter into her place and so wow. she, and lies there like as she cuts her stepsister's head off wow you sort of implying that she wanted us her because if she'd run away, technically, yeah, she could have just that, run away. like the, her stepsister might not have been killed. So you're thinking she's a little bit wicked as well, a little bit. I, yeah, but I kind of like that. She's not just this like oh my and runs no. off. She's like, I'm gonna sort this out. So she sorts it out, and you're right. That scene is incredible. That I mean, that is incredible. She's switched places with her sister and she's lying there as her stepmom comes in at night and with feels on the feels. bed because it's dark that's like top level creepy fairy tale-ness have i not been waiting for that adam yes series that's two proper stuff hardcore 
violence <laughs> and terror and creepiness. Yeah! Finally. Thank you, sweetheart Roland. <laughs> so she then runs away. And mm. we, we haven't heard about Roland at this point. And it's like, oh, yeah, she's got a sweetheart. It's called Roland. <laughs> yeah. um, they're going to run away. But before they can, she needs to go back and do some stuff. Right. Runs back, nicks her mum's stepmum's wand and picks up her stepsister's severed head yes. and sprinkles it in three locations oh. of the house and then leaves. Why did she do that? Because then the blood starts talking. <laughs> what? I mean, what? <laughs> she did it because she needed the blood to talk to the witch <laughs> so they have time to get away. It's obvious. One drop here, one drop there. I don't know why. Or the significance of that. It's very, very strange. But it's not an uncommon thing in folk stories. Okay. So. What, bl- specifically blood? No. So, no. So body parts speaking beyond the grave has oh, happened before. Yes. Mm-hmm. The singing bones. Juniper tree. Yes. Yeah, so that's happened a couple of times at least. Yeah. According to the Brothers Grimm. Yep. In another version of this story, Sweetheart Roland, that they recorded, instead of the severed head dripping blood... Roland and the girl put a bean in a cake that's baking and then while the while the cake's baking the bean pretends to be the girl who what? talks what do you mean what do you mean and then it, it stops talking <laughs> when the cake's finished cooking what do you mean likewise there was another version of Hansel and Gretel Roland and Maybird right there's a big Hansel and Gretel connection with this story Adam here's another one so there's a version of Hansel and Gretel that they collected where Gretel hasn't killed the witch, but she sets Hansel free. So she hasn't done the whole pushing the witch in the oven. Right. She, but she sets Hansel free. And then before they flee the house, Gretel spits on the hearth. So the witch then shouts to Gretel, Will the water soon be hot? Like saying, because Gretel's cooking. Her and the, spit the, the spittle says, I'm just fetching it. The witch goes to sleep for a bit, wakes up, says it again. The spittle shouts, It's boiling now! The witch goes to sleep, wakes up. She says, will the water soon be hot? The spittle says, I'm just bringing it. And then it finishes talking when it dries up because it's being cooked on the hearth. Um, so this is a version of Hansel and Gretel that they recorded. So we've got, to- not only do we have talking drops of blood, we've got a talking bean in a cake and talking spit. <laughs> that has not remotely helped answer why they do that. But it's just to show that there are other versions of that. Right. So it's actually confused it even more. Yeah, thanks for that. It's <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so the, the witch discovers her daughter's body because the blood says, I'm up here in bed. And then she goes up and it's just a, it's a crime scene. It's a mess up there. Yeah, a crime scene. She's the criminal. Yeah, I know. And she didn't even realise. <laughs> what a <laughs> twist. Uh, so she whips on her super boots and she's got supervision as well. Now, I remember yes. in some of her other stories, we've just, in Hansel and Gretel and the, wid- the Riddle, we've discovered that witches have red eyes. Right. But yeah. now we know they can see super far. Wow. So we're really getting a composite picture of a witch's abilities. <laughs> Red eyes, telescopic vision, and super boots. So she catches up with them. Yeah. She turns, she's got the wand. Yeah. She turns them into a lake and a duck. Yeah. She, Why? Yeah, I have, it's really weird that, right? But what's weirder is they turn into a flower and a fiddler. And then she has to get into the hedge and she's like, can I do that to the fiddler? And the fiddler's like, be my guest, go right in. But he's a magic fiddler. Yeah. And he plays the fiddle. And we've got 
one of the most incredible images we've had so far of a witch in a hedge being forced to dance so much that she's like gored to death by the hedge. And I think exhausted to death as well. Do you remember we've had dancing witches before in the knapsack, the hat and the horn? Ah, so the witch dance in that. She didn't in that, but afterwards I told you about a story that appeared in a Danish newspaper, <laughs> which was basically the same story, except the hero came across a witch who said she's been forced to dance for like 90 years or something. Oh, and I she, do remember that. She asked the guy to beat her to death because she was so upset. Oh. And he did in the end. So this is our second dancing witch against <laughs> her will. Again, I have no answers for you for why. But again, we see the same motifs appearing again and again. Yeah. One in Sweetheart Roland, one in a Danish newspaper. I thought it was weird that she turned him into a fiddler because... She's just dressed up in a costume. She just, like, wished up her little fiddle. Because the witch would, like, appear and go, all right, Roland? She's like, <laughs> <"Duh>, duh, duh, <laughs> hello. I'm not Roland. I am a fiddler. Who? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any Rolands. <laughs> yeah. At this point, they've killed the witch. Woohoo! Happy. The story can end. Yeah. They're going to get married. He just pops home. To uh, sort the wedding out. I don't yeah. know why she can't go with him. I don't know. Why does she have to stay there? <laughs> and then he pops home and he's like, Dad, I'm getting back. Whoa, who have we got here? Instantly forgets the love of his life. Now, who is this guy? Seriously, who is this guy? <laughs> sweetheart Roland. Sweet, not a sweetheart. He's a disgrace. <laughs> he disgraces the name of sweetheart. <laughs> he does. And Roland's. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, she turns herself into a milestone. Now, that's tragic. Her doing that and then turning herself into a flower is, I think, my favourite part of the whole story. Mm -hmm. Because there's something so heartbreaking about yeah. it. This lonely object waiting and waiting. And then the idea of, I'm going to turn myself into a flower, something really beautiful and delicate, so that I'll be crushed. Yes, she does it in order to... Put an end to her misery. Yeah. But... She's not crushed. She's nurtured and she's recognised as something By beautiful. I just really like that. that I don't know beautiful. why. No, no, I, I quite agree. Um, yes, so he takes her home and pops her in a chest. Save that for later. <laughs> they didn't have TV back then. <laughs> in the evening, just have a look at your flower. Yeah, sweet. Aww. Now, what she decides to do is take care of everything for him. I like, it gave a, a good description of every single household chore that she attended to. As well. <laughs> just so you got the full list. And then he consults a wise woman. Yes. What you want to do is chuck a white sheet over it and it just stops any magic. She just wrote a prescription. Yeah. Take this, one so, white sheet <laughs> One a white day. sheet, twice a day. Um, and he's like, wow, well, you're kind of a flower, but you're actually a beautiful woman that's been doing all this stuff for me. Yeah. Marry me, please. And yeah. she says no. Mm-hmm. And this is the bit that really gets me. Not only does she say no because mm -hmm. she's being faithful to someone who's not been faithful to her and has immediately forgotten about her, but she stays and does his housework for him. She's a flower who at night is like, I need to do household chores because I'm a woman. She has to turn back. Awful. It's pretty bad, isn't and it? And then to make that worse, she then ha gets rounded up with all the other girls yeah. the other women. Yeah. Because they're forced to sing at a wedding. Yeah. 
I mean, not only is it a wedding, it's Roland's wedding. She's left till last to sing, and they're like, you've got to sing, you've got to sing. She starts singing. He recognises her voice and remembers. He's like, oh, I knew I'd seen you somewhere before. You're the love of my life. And he just, calls off his wedding. Like, stop, stop, stop everything. everything. <laughs> right, you get out. <laughs> Give her your dress. <laughs> and they live happily ever after. Yeah. With a great apron. The end. The end. <laughs> So that's the story. There's so it many in twists so, yes, exactly. and turns. Yes. Like, how do I feel about this story? I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? One of the most difficult parts of it is the, the sex politics. Yeah. And the, like, obviously the bad things are the woman, she just wants to be married, right? Then also you've got, you know, the ugly girl is the evil girl and the stepmother's evil. You've so got all that. Classic tropes, yeah. The worst part is that, you know, she starts tidying up the house when she's a flower. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then she's got Roland treating her rubbish. And then when he's like, oh, yeah, I want to marry you, actually. We're meant to be like, oh, great. But we're like, we don't like Roland. Yeah, we don't like Roland. I'm not even sure I like the shepherd that much. On the good side, possibly. Okay. She rescues herself. Yes. From this bad situation. Now, it's interesting. In the story we just read, she goes to Roland and he says, I think you better pop back and get the wand. In the first version of this story, she decides to go get the wand. Oh. And then she goes to Roland. Uh, so it's so been she... diluted by the Brothers Grimm. So, obviously, fairy tales come under, get a lot of flack for... I think a lot of people would say, oh, they're sexist, you know. Yes. But I think there's, there's, more, there's more to the story than that. We've come across a lot of plucky heroines... We have. ...who forge their own destiny. But then we've also come across a lot of awful things like this. I think this is one of the worst. I think so. The Brothers Grimm do come under particular attack for this. And I think it's not black and white that they're just sexist. I agree. But there is some troubling stuff going on in there. For sure. Just in terms of their role, a lot of their stories were told to them from women. Like the sources of the stories were women. And then you're literally having men editing what they're saying. And often to the detriment of the female characters. Apparently there's this analysis done of the Brothers Grimm stories because Wilhelm in particular edited them, kept refining them and changing them. And apparently if you analyze the verbs used in human speech mm-hmm. in the different editions, the female heroines become more mute. They start speaking less. Yeah. And the evil women, kind of witches, they start to get more lines and become more vicious. Mm. But if you look at fairy tales in a wider perspective as well, arguably most fairy tales in history are written by women. Yeah. Where the modern day fairy tale kind of formed was in these salons in France. People used to, sort of middle class, upper class people used to get together and tell stories. And it was often women in these salons who were excluded from intellectual and creative worlds mm. in general. So they met up and would write and perform their own stories, which would speak about their experiences as women and their place in society. I also heard a, um, a lecture, I think, where a woman analysed... British folklore and she looked at the roles that women played in each story yeah by analyzing a cross-section of British folklore yeah she found that most women do have agency and do have a voice and do change their destiny okay so it is quite a complicated picture to to analyze um, fairy tales from a that point of view because actually you could argue that fairy tales throughout history have given women a chance to tell their stories right yeah 
and to explain life at the time as well. That's the other thing. They're kind of reflecting life at the time. But I don't think you can get away from the fact a lot of the stuff we come across is a little bit troubling. But no. at the same time, like Sweetheart Roland, it's kind of up and down, isn't it? So you kind of don't really know how to feel. Yeah. Is that how, what you're thinking? No, totally. I mean, what's, what's the name of that test that you can put films to? And it's, I think, three questions. The Bechdel test. Bechdel test. So it would be interesting mm. to apply the Bechdel test yeah. to fairy tales and see how many of them pass that. I'm not sure... Or is that not fair? I don't think it's fair. Why do you not think it's fair? Because I, because fairy tales, you don't have a fully fleshed out character. Hmm. You kind of have uh, blueprints. You have a girl, you have a king, you have a tailor. And they don't sit down and have a long conversation. Okay. There's just action happens. They move forward and forward and forward. So the Bechdel test has three simple questions. I believe they are, does a woman speak? Does a woman speak to another woman and does a woman speak to another woman about something other than men that's quite a low bar isn't it yeah it is but weirdly sweetheart roland passes the bechdel test okay so how so because the witch at the beginning is talking with her daughter about killing her stepdaughter about an apron yes a woman talking two women talking together two women not talking about men talking about how they're going to kill another woman so it's complicated it is complicated it's yes. a thorny issue yeah, yeah. that we're probably kind of unqualified to talk about. I would say so. And I'm really curious because this is one of the main things that people who don't really know much about fairy tales, they think of them immediately as sexist. But actually, I'd be very curious if any listeners have any thoughts on this element of fairy tales because it's a, it's a thorny uh, issue, really a is. delicate issue. Yeah. And I'd like, yeah, if anyone wants to get in touch and let us know their thoughts on sexism in fairy tales. <laughs> We'd uh, very much appreciate it. That would be great. But where the story's most successful for me is the fact that it's a story about love. And as bad or as good as it is, I really felt that. Yes, I know what you mean. And I think it's to do with the way it's described because love in inverted commas, in the, a lot of the stories we've had so far, the way it's described makes it very matter-of-fact and transactional. Mm. And I think the very notion of having a sweetheart mm. really hits home in perhaps a more modern way or yeah. just a, in, a, in a more realistic, yeah. tangible way, I guess. You're right, it does hit you a lot more. I th- like, and I think you're so right. They are normally transactional. Yeah. And they're usually the last part of the story where someone's trying to marry into a higher class. Whereas this is two people from the lower class sure. who, are in, who are in love. Yes. And I don't think we've ever had that before. No. It's usually at the end of the story. It's the goal, maybe. Yeah. That final bit where it's like, oh, she's the one I love, that does feel uncomfortable. But the rest of the story, you, you really get a sense of the, the, the agony, the, uh, the torment of love, I think. Yeah, for sure. Matt, I've got a question. Oh, yeah? Hit me. Where does Shakespeare fit into all of this? I'm so glad you asked. I know you are. <laughs> Roland. That, no, Adam. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Roland is a, is a name. Correct. King Lear. <laughs> Again, it's Adam. In the Shakespeare play, King Lear, yep. the character Edgar, I might have written that wrong. Edgar? Edgar. <laughs> the character Edgar says, 
Child Roland to the Dark Tower came. His word was still fi-fo-fum. I smell the blood of a British man. Apparently Shakespeare took that from the English fairy tale Child Roland, which has absolutely nothing to do with Sweetheart Roland, except for the fact that they have the name Roland and Roland. Okay. There's a Roland connection for and you. And nothing to do with Jack and the Beanstalk. Ah. fee fi fo fum I smell the blood of an Englishman. Not necessarily British. Of a British man. <laughs> uh, that rhyme is from Jack and the Beanstalk. And apparently Shakespeare took it from the fairy tale Jack and the Beanstalk. Right. fee fi fo fum and he put it in King Lear. Oh, right. I told you, man, Shakespeare loves folklore. When are you going to believe me? <laughs> So <laughs> I'm not disagreeing, man. I've actually got some facts to back it up. I mean, okay. all of it has been facts so far, <laughs> but I've got some hard facts. I've been lying, but okay. Um, fairies are mentioned in ten of Shakespeare's plays. Okay. Elves are mentioned in five plays. Uh-huh. Goblins and hobgoblins in five separate plays. Ooh. And apparently, I think I read, I'm just going to remember this off the top of my head. <laughs> okay. Twenty plays have reference to like spirits and supernatural beings. Okay. That's how I'm going to fit Shakespeare into this story. <laughs> well done. I look forward to the next reference. Thank you. In German, the story is called Der Liebest Roland, which I think means the sweetheart, you know, sweetheart yeah. Roland. The source of the story was Henrietta Dorothea Wilde or Joanna Christian Fulda. And we've already seen how there's versions of this in a Hansel and Gretel story, yes. right? And there's the yeah. spittle and the bean it contains three Arn Thompson types in this story. Wow. There's another story that I think is going to interest you. Okay. A French story called Hop O My Thumb. Hop O My Thumb? Hop O My Thumb. Jump Over My Thumb. Hop O My Thumb is similar to Hansel and Gretel, Sweetheart Roland, and Thumbling. We, so we have come across this before because I mentioned it to you in the Thumbling episode. Okay. And I think I mentioned it to you in the Hansel and Gretel episode, but it didn't make the final cut. It was written by Charles Perrault, who was a mm-hmm. French uh, academic and bureaucrat and writer and poet uh, who was born in Paris in 1628. It appeared in his book Histoires du Comte du Temps Pas in 1697. Shall I outline to you what happens in Hop O My Thumb? Please do. And see if it rings any bells. Okay. A woodcutter and his wife had seven children, ding. the youngest of whom was so tiny, he was no bigger than a thumb. So they called ding, ding, him ding, ding, ding. Hop Oh My Thumb. T- uh, times were tough. They were starving to death. So <laughs> that is, those are tough times. They were like, we've got to get rid of the kids. They take them into the woods and leave them to die. Hansel and Gretel, ding, ding, ding. Hop Oh My Thumb heard them planning this, however. Uh-huh. So he filled his pockets with pebbles. So he laid a pebble everywhere. I mean, his pebbles are going to be small. <laughs> That's true. He leads them home. They've got a bit of money now for some reason, so they, they're fine for a while. Run out of money again, got to get rid of the kids, take them into the woods. He uses the bread that his mum gave him and leaves breadcrumbs, which are all eaten by birds. So the seven brothers uh, roam the forest, slowly starving. Uh-huh. And one night they see a light burning and they follow it to a house. Uh, they knock on the door, woman opens it. And she's like, oh, this is the house of an ogre that eats children. This is not a good idea, guys. <laughs> but they say, look, the wolves are going to eat us, so we have to come in. So they go in. They hear the ogres coming home. The woman is like, hide under the bed. She's the wife of the ogre as well, but I think she's all right. right. Ogre comes in, he sniffs them out, and he 
picks them up and he's about to cut their throat and eat them. But okay. the wife's like, look, you've got loads of food. Just leave them and cook them tomorrow. And he's like, oh, okay. I made you a sandwich. So then she puts them to bed. So as they're going upstairs, seven of them are going to get in a big bed. Uh-huh. But Thumbling sees in another room seven of the ogre's daughters who are all lying in the bed uh-huh. wearing a crown. I can see where this is going. So Hoppo, my thumb, yeah. he takes their crowns, puts them on his brother's heads and his. In the middle of the night, the ogre's like, oh, yeah, I can't wait till tomorrow. I'm going to kill them now. <laughs> so he goes upstairs and he goes with his butcher's knife. He goes into Hoppo, my thumb's room and he feels uh, for the bodies mm-hmm. and he feels the crown. And he's like, oh, oh, I've probably had a few too many. I'm in the wrong room. Yeah, goes, goes in the other room. And he slices his daughter's throats oh, and kills them all. That's awful. Presumably one of his daughters is the size of a thumb as well. Hoppo is like, let's get out of here. Hoppo. <laughs> so they, they run off as far yeah. as they can. The ogre finds it all out. He's furious. Yeah, of course. He puts on his, his super boots. Yep. And he zooms all around. <laughs> Thumbling is like, guys, let's hide under a rock. So him and the brothers all hide. The ogre happens to sit on that rock when he's knackered and have a nap. Thumbling gets out, slowly takes off the ogre's boots, puts them on himself, and they shrink down magically to fit him. (laughs) Oh, nice. That's handy. He says to his brothers, look, you will go home. I've got a plan. He goes back. He rushes back to the ogre's house. Whoa. He says to the wife, the ogre has been captured by robbers. They're going to kill him unless you pay up all your silver and gold. He gave me his boots to come here to get the gold to set him free. So she gives him all their gold and silver Smart. He, he goes back to his parents' house. They're all rich and happy forever. And he gets a job as a courier <laughs> in, in D- the royal DPD, court. DPD, FedEx, yeah. Yeah. Would you like to hear Charles Perrault's moral that he wrote at the end of the story? Oh, wow. This is incredible. Isn't that an amazing story? Why isn't this made into a film or something? It's like taking all the best bits. If every son grows strong and tall, well-mannered and well-liked by all, then parents with large families are pleased. But when a son is silent, weak and small, he's likely to be bullied, mocked and teased. But sometimes it's the smallest who does best and brings prosperity to all the rest. Oh, that's a nice little anti-bullying message. There. <laughs> so that is a mega mashup Whoa. of Sweetheart Roland, Hansel and Gretel and Thumbling. What more could you ask for in a fairy Seriously, tale? that's incredible. Isn't that awesome? And wh- who wouldn't want their letter delivered by a really fast thumb? <laughs> I think that's the clearest version we've had yet of the different motifs of stories kind of all blending and blurring and being all kind of one and the same. Yeah. And you kind of can take out chunks of a story or bits of action. And just drop them into another one. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So that is Sweetheart Roland. Quite an epic one. That is epic. Does it get an epic score? That's the, the question. That's the big question. I'm going to give this an f- 8.5. <laughs> wow, okay. Okay. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think it's so epic, so much going on in it, mm. so bizarre and weird, mm. and I love the weird ones. Mm-hmm. That it's got all that going for it. I think it loses a few points just because uh, I think some plot holes <laughs> and uh, a couple um, of things annoyed me. But a satisfactory ending, maybe. Yeah, a little bit. But on the whole, amazing story. Yeah. 
I would not have expected that from Sweetheart Roland. What were you I expecting think? from Sweetheart Roland? I don't know. For all I knew, it could be a mouse. <laughs> like, I had no idea. So I almost feel that you're saying if there are a few tweaks, it would have been a 9 or a 10. I think so. Because it, it hit so many great sort of marks that we expect from a great fairy tale here at Grim Reading. So um, almost hits them up, but doesn't quite, I think. It's a story story, isn't it? It's a it real... Is. Oh, for sure. It's got narrative to it's it. It's a journey. Yeah. Unlike Mr. Corpse. No. I don't know what <laughs> I was. Um, yeah. I'm a bit worried that maybe some people hearing this might be like, that is an awful story. What an awful message. Do you think? Yeah, and I get that. Uh-huh. I mean, we take for granted some things like he married a princess and they lived happily ever after. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But this, because it's so, like, lovelorn... It kind of makes it worse in a way. Yeah, I know what you mean. But at the same time, I really, 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 really enjoyed that story. Okay. Very few other ones have put me on the ground quite like that one. I felt I was there. Yeah. I was uh, watching the witch dance into death in the prime hedge. (laughs) I was with the shepherd in the hut. That sounds weird. Why are you? What were you up to? (laughs) So I'm a little torn. You really got absorbed into this world. I did. I'm a bit torn is what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to say. I don't know. I want to give it a a mega score. You can? I think I'm going to go eight. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to give that an eight. Solid score. Well, fantastic scores there. Huge. Next episode, we're coming on to the Seven Ravens. Yeah. What do you reckon is going to be going down with them? Not much, just chilling. Cool. Uh, One might be eating some horse, maybe. We'll see. I think that goes without saying. Yes. Well, it's rather chilly out there, but I must be heading yonder. It's been a joy. It has, as always. See you next time. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how, and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook at grimreading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading. And we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim.